Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of your WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer. We've got a basketball episode for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking to new Springboro head boys basketball coach, Brett Kostoff, a former longtime LaSalle assistant coach. But first, if you've been watching The Last Dance, a 10-part uh, docu-series on ESPN about those Chicago Bulls teams from the 1980s and 90s, you're certainly aware of all of the, um, the milestones and the, and the superstar highlight uh, reels that have happened for uh, for Michael Jordan and all the, the hype and, and, and certainly the, all the, the attention and spotlight around those teams and those championships uh, from the Bulls from that era. But uh, I have a local connection for you, obviously, uh, when, when Michael Jordan um, stopped by Woodward High School in July of 1989. And uh, current Lakota West boys basketball coach Jim Leon was uh, was just uh, named a, a head coach there at Woodward in, in, in the summer of 89 and uh, uh, wanted to bring him in on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast to talk about that basketball clinic. Also have two of his uh, former players, 1990 Woodward graduates, Derek Dukes and Santana Walden. And guys, thanks for uh, taking a few minutes I uh, hope your week is going well. And uh, Coach, let's just get right to it. I want you to kind of lay the lay the groundwork here of uh, setting the scene of when MJ visited Woodward back in July of 89. I know it's going back a long time, but uh, tell us how that came about and uh, just how that day went. Sure. Well, in the spring of 1989, um, we had got to the Final Four at Woodward. We got beat uh, by Toledo and McComber. So the season ended. And we had five seniors who were going to move on to college. Um, I believe three of them were Division One players. And we had a lot of recruiting going on. And also, Coach Larry Miller, who was the, my boss, um, when, Dar- when, uh, when University of Dayton came in to look at our guys and you know, they were checking Derek out, too, when he was a junior. But Coach Miller got very tight with the Dayton staff. Uh, Butch Carter was there, and the head coach was Jim O'Brien. And they offered Larry Miller an assistant job at the University of Dayton that spring. So um, Larry did take the job, and um, I was named the head coach. I believe it was the end of May after all the dust cleared, and you got to follow procedures and that. So I got the job. And um, DJ Boston was, was committed to Wichita State. And the head coach at that time at Wichita State was Eddie Fogler who coached and recruited Michael Jordan in North Carolina. Well, anyway, Eddie got the head coaching job at Vanderbilt. And he called me and said, hey, listen, I got some news. I'm going to Vanderbilt. And I'm sorry, you know, about DJ and everything. And, and, we, and we talked for a while. And then eventually the conversation led to Michael. And I, and I, I had seen some, I don't know if they were TV commercials or something in a magazine, that he was going to tour during the summer um, at cities that did not have NBA teams, was going to do clinics. And I, we talked, and I said, hey, I said, Eddie, hey. He said, hey, you need anything? I said, hey, you can do me a favor. I see we're, we're you know, MJ's going to, you know, tour the country and do clinics. We'd love to have him at Woodward. We'd love to. So anything you can do about that, I'd really appreciate it. So he said, yeah, coach, I'll check into that. And then the next call I made was to Buzz Peterson. Buzz was Michael's roommate in college. Michael, uh, or excuse me, Buzz was an assistant coach at Appalachian State. He was recruiting our guys. So I called him and said, hey, coach, I'm on it. I'm on it. So anyway, maybe a week, 10 days go by. My principal, Mike Brandt, calls me up. Our athletic director texts me and says, hey, um, Riffway, the grocery chain, wants to bring Michael Jordan to Cincinnati and they want a central location and they've chosen us. So I was like, you're kidding. He said, no, no, no. You said, you know, Gatorade and Coca-Cola are sponsoring. Um, Thriftway is going to pay. They're going to, you know, bring him in. And, um, and then I found out the date was July the 13th. That's when he was coming in. So I, I was like, wow, this is incredible. But, but I had guys who were getting ready to go to camp. We had summer leagues. We had weightlifting. So it was like, how am I going to let my guys know that MJ is coming to Woodward? And I'll, I'll stop there because there's more. I'll let, I'll let the guys speak their reactions. But there, there's a lot more to the story. Well, uh, well we're going to get into that here in a second. But I want to I start off uh, with Derek because I understand – Obviously, now you are a University of Dayton college basketball analyst for Fox Sports Ohio, and uh, uh, I know this is going back a ways, but you were at a five-star camp in Pittsburgh, I believe, uh, right before Jordan came to Woodward. Tell us, take it from there. I'd like to hear that from you. 
Yeah, so it's an interesting story. Uh, obviously, well, those that may not know, back in that time or that time frame, um, Five Star Basketball Camp was the premier premier basketball camp for high schoolers. And actually, Michael Jordan, of course, when coming through high school, he was a uh, a camper at Five Star Basketball Camp. So I was at Five Star Basketball Camp, and of course, got word that Michael Jordan was coming, and. I actually left five star basketball camp early <laughs> to see Michael Jordan. So uh, at the end of the week, typically what happens at five star basketball camp, you go through the week of drills and some games and you're being evaluated by some of the best you know, college teams in the country. You're seeing all the, the college coaches that you see on the sideline. They're there at the camp. And uh, then at the end of the week, they put on all they choose the best basketball players from that week or who they deem the best basketball players had the best week and uh, from the games that you play throughout the week and they have an all-star game. So we, uh, we have the all-star game. And then after the all-star game, there's another day and an, almost, I think a day and a half, but at least another day where the coaches talk more about how to continue to get better and how to get uh, scholarships and things of that nature. And I decided to forego that day <laughs> to get back in town to see Michael Jordan because there was no way I was missing Michael Jordan. I mean, five-star was important. Don't get me wrong, but it was more important to see Michael Jordan. When did I tell you about it? Do you remember? Did, was it right before you left or did you find out? I think it was It was before I – no, I think it was while I was there I found out. A couple oh, guys I, called me or you called me. Someone called me and said Michael Jordan was coming into Woodward High School, and I said – He might have let you know. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. It could have been Chattis. It probably was him. And yeah. uh, I found a way to get back to Cincinnati, <laughs> for sure. I was surprised to see you. <laughs> In fact, when he, when he, I came back, the day I came back, um, he was putting on a clinic. I literally still had on my five-star basketball camp shirt, right? And just a little tidbit about that is the first thing he said when I saw him, you know, he walked up to me and I was, you know, back then Michael Jordan was like, you know, a, a God to us as kids. And he walked up to me and the first thing he said, you know, he, hi, I'm Michael. And I'm like, oh, as if I didn't know that, right? <laughs> like, oh, okay. And he's, I told him my name and he said, hey, I got one question for you, kid. Did you make the All-Star team at Five Star? And I happened to have on the shirt from the All-Star game. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I did. You see it right here, my All-Star. And he said, okay, good. You must be pretty good. I, uh, and I said, well, I'm okay. And he said, I'm going to keep an eye on you. So it was that whole dynamic of seeing Michael Jordan, someone you watched on TV and just admired and thought was the best basketball player ever. He's asking you, did you make the all-star team? So <laughs> it's a pretty cool experience. Charisma there just to, to make that instant connection, obviously. Santana, yeah. I want to bring you into the fold here too. You're an assistant for Coach Leon at Lakota West. I understand Jordan came on your birthday. I mean, tell us about <laughs> The significance of that? Well, to put it lightly, uh, one of the better birthdays that I've ever had. Okay, it was the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, my 17th birthday. Um, and the way it all out, uh, you know, some of some of our players had already uh, had left Cincinnati to attend different camps, um, you know, throughout the Midwest area, and, you know, up north, uh, up in northern Ohio, things like that. There was another camp coming up called Metro Index Camp. And um, you know, that was another camp for, you know, again, everybody else. Uh, if you didn't make a five-hour camp, you're going to go to Metro Index. Um, so we had, uh, there were about four of us uh, slaves go to Metro Index. And when Coach Leon made the announcement that, hey, guys, you know, it was one, it was one day after an open gym. You got you got in the circle and said, hey, listen, I got a surprise for you guys. Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Michael Jordan's coming to do a clinic here at the school. Um, you know, and he said, for those of you guys who will be around, you guys will get to help work the, work the clinic and, and, you know, get people to seats and things like that. So right then and there, I had, I had already pulled a plug on one to attend any camps. Um, I wasn't going to miss that. And then again, especially the date being my birthday. Nah, I'm not going to camp. Um, so I kind of blew off Metro Index altogether. Coach Leon gave me a hard time about it. Um, oh, he didn't go D1. <laughs> <laughs> right. If one camp determined D1 or not, <laughs> I, 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 I like where I ended up. I like where I ended up. <laughs> 
So coach, tell me how, who was invited to, to attend this clinic and how did that go about and just kind of set the scene for me when he arrived? Yeah, if, if I remember right, Mike, Thriftway, I think they had tickets. They had so many tickets they gave away and, and we made sure that the Bond Hill, Avondale community got, got our share. Our, our gym at that time held about 800 people. So it, it was going to be tight. So, so we got tickets and then, um, I talked with uh, David Falk, who was Michael Jordan's agent. I don't know if he still is, but and he said, hey, you know, Mike's going to come in. He likes to come in. He likes to talk to the, to the group, and then he'll demonstrate a few things. But we'd like to have some high school coaches there who can break up in groups, which, by the way, never even happened. I thought, you know, we'd, we'd have a camp, but because of all the excitement of seeing, seeing Michael, it, it didn't happen. But anyway – um, I had Larry Miller there, you know, my former boss, and I had George Jackson from Withrow, Sonny Tudor from Oak Hills, uh, Dave Hammer, who was on my staff. I don't know if you remember Dave. He was the head coach at Moeller. was Byron Larkin's head coach. So I had him there. So they all showed up. And, of course, my principal, Mike Brand, we, we had a staff ready to go. Um, but honestly, you know, um, when he arrived, it, there was so much excitement. Summer school was still going on. <clears throat> And I'll never forget, I walked out the front of the building, a white limo pulled up. Michael got out, and, and t- t- shockingly, he says to me, hey, coach, he said, congrats on the job. And I'm looking like, how in the and, – and, you know, I assume Buzz or, or Eddie told him something. So I'm like, damn, Michael Jordan just congratulated me on my job. And, and, uh, and then he says – he looks at me and says, he says, uh, I forgot my socks. <laughs> I was like, what? He said, I got no socks. He said, and when I leave here, I'm going to play golf. I said, listen, we'll get you some socks, man. I said, so I had had a, one of our uh, football coaches, Bo Green, ran across the street to Swifton Commons and got him some socks. So, uh, but, you know, and then we, we walked into the building, and unfortunately, classes were changing with summer school, and I mean, kids were just going nuts. So I was trying to get him down the steps as quick as I could to the basement where we have a museum. It's really nice um, back in the day. So I got him down there as quick as I can. All my guys were waiting for him, although I think I remember Santana couldn't wait. He was in the hallway following me down the steps. He was Santana was pumped. I remember that. Um, but we got him down in the museum, and it was funny because we had all my, all my guys are there, my coaches, and then the Lindner family, and I don't really know, I, I guess all the sons, they were all there with all their kids. So we've got all these, all these uh, young kids are there, and they, Michael takes pictures with them, and he takes pictures with my guys, and we talked a little bit. And, uh, and I, you know, there's, there's more. I'll, I'll let the other guys talk about that experience. But it, it, was, just, it was just incredible. He, he was just so down to earth and, and so friendly to me. And, um, I, you know, I, I was a big Larry Bird fan up until that day. I, I definitely crossed over. I, I was all about Mike, and I still am. He's the GOAT to me. So I, I can ask Derek or Santana this, but I'll start with Derek. Um, Sonny Tudor, uh, Mountain Notre Dame assistant coach, the former Oak Hills coach, obviously, um, he told me he brought his children there at the time, and he said something. He remembers two things vividly. Jordan shot a free throw with his eyes closed, and he was – Dealing with some kind of nagging injury, mind you, a little history lesson here. Two months after Jordan hits the shot over Craig Elo at the Richfield Coliseum, when MJ comes to Woodward here, and obviously they they lose to the Detroit Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, obviously it would have been a very physical series with the Pistons, to say the least. But he remembers the injury, and he said, you know, I'm dealing with this. All the kids wanted to just see him do a dunk. And finally, after a lot of – um, convincing and persuasion, he did that. But Derek, I, I want to hear that from you if, if you recall those two items. I do. I actually recall that uh, the free throw, um, and I remember that he he took that he made a free throw with his eyes closed in the game. Um, uh, actually, after the clinic, and he I remember him saying in the game he he said I have the distance from the free throw line to the rim memorized. And I can make it with my eyes closed. If I had saw him do it in the clinic, but to actually see him do it in the game, an NBA basketball game was amazing. I mean, it really was. That's when it was. It was one of those those aha moments that just said, "This is the best. This is the best player ever." 
right? So, but to see him in person, I got to tell you, Mike, it was, I was in awe. You know, it's one of those moments that you ask yourself, is this really happening? Michael Jordan that we see on TV, really here in front of me. And back then, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm sure everyone, the, uh, us, we probably remember, but in terms of your listeners, everyone wanted to be that commercial, I want to be like Mike, right? And that was the thing that just kept ringing, ringing in my mind, like, I want to be like Mike, and he's here. <laughs> I can be like Mike. So he was, um, that, that was my, my biggest uh, memory, and also the fact that, as Coach said, he was so down to earth. It was, I remember walking away from that conversation, that brief conversation with him, and I've told this story to many people, and I remember asking myself, now, am I Michael Jordan or is he Michael Jordan? Right? He, he just made, he had this unique ability, uncanny ability to make you feel special. And it went beyond the basketball court, you know? So, and I think that's what made him so successful outside of the court, just his, his charisma and his, his down to earth, his, his humbleness. So it was, a, it was a special day, very special day. Santana, can you confirm or deny you were standing in the hallway waiting for him, like Coach said? Uh, that is probably true. Um, I mean, I went, I went extremely fanatic, fantastic, anything beginning with the word fan. I was that, that day. I mean, it was, I brought a poster. I made sure I had a, I had two Sharpies. Um, I brought a cereal box. Um, and we, we were kind of partnered up. Uh, they had us kind of navigating traffic and stuff like that. So I was partnered up with another, uh, another teammate, younger kid named Che. And um, Che had asked me, he said, well, can I have one of your markers so you can sign something for me? And I gave him a marker. You know, I was kind of doing a big brother thing. And I was like, well, yeah, make sure you get one too. You know, so I, I, in the midst of all my giddiness, you know, I still call myself looking out for some of the youngsters. But, I mean, that was a day, it, it was just absolutely incredible, man. You still and, have that? And, Go ahead. No. Um, Took tons of pictures. Um, I do still have my poster, absolutely. Um, and to, to follow up on, on Derek and Coach Leon's point, the, the, the most incredible part about it is that, you know, we all get caught up in the moment and we're all in awe about who this guy is after watching him on TV and things like that. And then he comes in and he's just like one of the guys. And, you, just, you know, you just don't expect it. You know, now, of course, now that we've all played, you know, more high school ball and college ball and things like that. And we've all lived our lives and, and we've grown a whole lot. We understand the dynamic a whole lot better now, but you know, when you're a high school kid, you got the greatest player in the world at your school, just kind of hanging out. It's like, wow, this doesn't seem real. What does that moment in his visit mean to you after all these years since him? Obviously I was already a fan. But after that experience, you know, watching him even closer, paying more attention to his interviews and things like that, um, started looking at, you know, because everybody was, 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 that was the beginning of uh, the sneakerhead culture growing and things like that. Everybody wanted Jordans and stuff like that. So I just began really dialing into the competitive side as it related to business and things like that. And, you know, I spent 20 years in retail, retail management and, you know, I took with me a lot of my sports things, a lot of my sports lessons, you know, in terms of surrounding myself with a good team and things like that. And, you know, it's like the Bulls had the Detroit Pistons. Well, you know, we would roll out our weekly sales goals. And that was our week in and week out Detroit Piston rivalry things. Coach, I know it's going back a ways again, but um, this was on a Thursday. I looked it up. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, was he there just for a few hours? Was it a morning or afternoon thing? Or do you recall well, how long he, it went? He came, it, it, was, it was late morning when he got there. And then, uh, you know, we had the clinic and everything. And then he came back and did like a press conference back in the museum. Uh, and again, the guys were around, more pictures being taken. Uh, the Thriftway people getting pictures taken, Coca-Cola, you know, all the sponsors were there and that. So then he hung around for a little bit answer some questions. And then and he said, I gotta, I gotta go hit the links. And, uh, so the limo was out and he, he, uh, you know, I, I walked him out of the building. Um, he put his arm around me and said, coach, it's a real pleasure to meet you. I wish you the best your first season. Um, 
And I, and I remember, I, you know, Derek was talking about his experience. I remember I, I told him, I said, listen, thank you so much for talking to my guys. I said, I said, the one kid from five star, I said, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of our leader right now and our captain. I, I kind of knew this before we got started, but I said, I really appreciate you talking to him. And I mean, what a great way for me to start my career with a guy like Michael Jordan coming in to talk with my guys, to build their confidence and, and, and talk to, to Derek Dukes, who, who to this day is an incredible leader and successful businessman and commentator. I mean, and, and, and Santana, all the great things he's done, his coaching, his business, and the time he spends with kids off the court. Just, you know, I think about that a lot, thinking what a great way to start and to have a guy like Michael Jordan be a part of that. But he he wished me well in my first year and, and said, uh, he actually said, stay in touch. And I thought, okay, how are we going to do that? <laughs> Can I get your number? <laughs> you know, but uh, – you know, and then he, it was funny, he got in the limo and one of our players, DJ Boston, come flying up the steps and he's screaming, hey, Mike, Mike. Um, and by the way, uh, DJ's brother, Daryl Boston, who played for the Chicago White Sox, he's still their first base coach. Him and Mike were buddies. So he's screaming, hey, let me have your shoes. And I'll be damned if Mike just took off the shoes and, and gave them to DJ and then he pulled off. And then and I think later in the day, he went to Makatiwa and played golf. Um, so, um, Did, was he able to? You have a newspaper clipping, Jim, of one of your players. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Maurice Long, better known as Loke. Um, great player for me, tough defensive guy. He he was just just a great great kid to have around and played quite a bit for us. And was part of our successful. You know, our, our first year we got to the state finals, and he, and and, and Loke was a big part of that. But yeah, he got to play Michael one on one. I think Mike was just messing with him, pushing him off and stuff, but. But to this day, and I, I contacted Loke last week. He said, Coach, I, I think about that day all the time. And I, it's just, just it's incredible that I had that opportunity to be on the court with him. So, you know, you hear things like that, and it's like, you know, I don't care how many games you win or titles you win, just, just to have your guys have great personal experiences with, with professional players and college coaches and just all the great opportunities basketball has given these guys. It's tremendous. Derek, when you watch this docuseries, The Last Dance, how much do you think back to the, those days and, and, you know, that, that great moment in high school for you and your teammates? think about it a lot, Mike, because it's, it's such a – it was a transformational moment for me um, because, again, everyone wanted to be like Mike. Now, you may not be able to be quite like him, can't jump as high and have his skill level, but, again, I was making the, the comparable to he was a – camper at five star and I was a camper at five star. So it was one of those moments where you can actually see yourself a little bit in the future. And when he came to Woodward, it was before, now Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, but it was before he had won the championship, right? So he was really starting to, I mean, the commercialized portion of Michael Jordan was really starting to take off. Um, But when you think about the fact that even him at, that level at that time, he had not won a, a, a title. And when he spent that little bit of time with me, it was very brief, but he talked about how hard he was working to get to the next level. So it just reminded me, no, no matter how good you think you are, if Michael Jordan is looking to get better, you should look to get better too, right? So and, and as Santana, Santana said, it, you start to find other ways as you get older how that experience became transferable in business, in life. And as I played ball at the University of Dayton, of course, it's on a much smaller level, right? Uh, but I just remember at the end of games, kids uh, who were very young, and at that point, they were naive. They had no idea. They wanted, a, they wanted an autograph, right? <laughs> and I just think about how Mike treated me, the guy that was the best of the best, how he treated me. I wanted to make sure the kids had those same experiences to some degree when I interacted with them. You have a great photo you sent to coach Derek. Um, and, and you probably can identify everybody in there. Was that, was that mostly just teammates or, or people around Woodward or around basketball, just in high school in general? Or? Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Mike, because some of those guys, when I look back at the picture, there were a couple guys, one in particular, um, I won't say his name, but he didn't play for our high school team, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he played for a rival high school, but he lived in the area. He lived, lived in the Bond Hill area. And he was somehow able to sneak in. He, he got a T-shirt that had Woodward on it, and he snuck in. <laughs> and yeah, that works, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Now, so it's one thing to sneak into the building, but he was actually in the museum with us in order to take a picture with Michael Jordan. You know, so I uh, most of those guys were teammates um, and and some folks that either, uh, you know, play for uh, the varsity team, JV team or the seventh, eighth grade or freshman team. Uh, but there were a couple outliers that play for opposing teams and they were able to sneak in and get some pictures. This was the old, just to be clear, this was the old gymnasium, the old Blue Palace. Yeah, yeah, not the current school. So. We had a museum in the basement. Uh, that was pretty nice. I mean, it was an area that you could take him that was exclusive and take him away from everyone. It was, of course, uh, closed off. But um, I'll say his name, Walter Crump, if you're listening. You were able to somehow sneak into the museum and take a picture with us, with Michael Jordan. What school did he play for? He played for Western Hills. Oh, okay. West yeah. High. West High, yeah. In Santana, I know you have a lot of... Uh, Jordan shoes. Uh, you mentioned just how, how his visit really resonated with you back then, and still does to this day. I mean, uh, when you watch the Last Dance, what what type of things uh, does that conjure up for you? Just it just reminds me of how hard he worked, and I try to translate that message to the kids we coach today. You know, there there is this lost art of of wanting to work for what you truly desire you know kids just think it's going to fall out the sky and land in their lap um you know and it's not all kids but you know just today there's just such a dynamic you know we as coaches we always tease and, and joke about how soft these kids are these days um you know and then part of it is due to you know how they've changed rules of the game and stuff like that so it's very accommodating in that regard but you know if there's something that you want you have to work and you have to work and work some more until you get what you want. And, you know, again, watching, watching the, the last dance documentary just reminds me, man, this dude had to overcome so much to become the greatest, you know, it, the, the end result looks great, but people overlook all the hours of work and preparation that it took and all the things that, you know, the great athletes or the, you know, the, the people who are dominating their fields and things like that, people lose sight of what it takes to get to what you're looking at presently. I'm glad this is not a podcast about the GOAT between LeBron and MJ because it would be a five-minute podcast because I know who the panel would vote for right away. So I'm not even going to ask that question. But I would be remiss, Coach, if I didn't, if I didn't conclude. With, I know uh, – you got to meet Jerry Krause, who's featured prominently, the late Jerry Krause, the general manager of the Bulls, uh, who's featured prominently in The Last Dance. And uh, I know you've stayed in touch with uh, Tim Floyd, and, and we kind of uh, there were some mentions of, of Floyd, uh, obviously taking over for Phil Jackson uh, in 98, uh, 99. But tell us a little bit about your connection with those two guys. Yeah, um, Tim Floyd, well, he, he started recruiting Damon Flint, and you know, he was at the University of New Orleans. And his, oh, I'm sorry, Derek, too. I'm sorry. There you go. My bad, my bad. Yeah, no. I mean, he, I think yeah, he first came in. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting? Get him together. Get him together. He had a player there. They had a player in New Orleans. New Orleans that was his name was Urban Johnson. Yeah, yeah. He was a big guy, and I'm thinking, yeah. you know. I was not even like, is this his son? Maybe I'm going to play Johnson's son. So I actually considered Norman's at one point. So that's the only reason I knew about Tim Floyd. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Um, but then he got, he came in to see Damon and he, and then, you know, New Orleans was too small for Damon. Damon was going to go base McDonald's all American. I ain't going to New Orleans. So, so we got this kid, Eric Johnson, who young guy just jumps out of the gym. I think, uh, we measured, he had like a 48-inch vertical. Just incredible. Unbelievable. He played at Louisville. Um, but Tim was recruiting him really hard. I mean, it got, it got so – he wanted him so bad that Tim would come to Woodward once, twice a week, calling me every day, um, hanging out with me. So we got to be pretty good friends, you know, just, just you know, pretty close in that. And then he didn't get Eric, but Tim and I still stayed in touch. And we were talking one day, and he says to me, hey, um, listen, I'm being considered for the Chicago Bulls job. I said, what? He said, yeah, they're going to – 
He said, Jerry Krause, I, I talked to him and I talked to the owner and the, Phil's going to be out after this year. He said, so listen, I gave Krause a list of, you know, college coaches, high school coaches. He has to vet me. And he said, you might get a call. So I said, okay. So lo and behold, it, it must've been December 97, maybe. I get a call from, from Jerry Krause. I'm like, oh, okay. What the hell? So he says he's coming to town. He, he was going to either UC or Xavier to look at a player, a potential, you know, pro player. And he says, hey, can, uh, can I stop by Woodward? Can we get a bite to eat? And I said, yeah, sure. So um, at the time, we had a red lobster right across the street from Woodward. <laughs> so I said, hey, the only restaurant out here is fast food and red lobster. I said, hey, I'll, I'll meet you at the red lobster. So I meet Jerry Krause, just a little bitty Portland. I mean, you see him on TV and just, you know, Ryan's mouth, we're talking. That's like, damn, I'm sitting here with the GM of, a, of the Chicago Bulls. So it comes time to order. I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's, it's got to be on his dime. So I'm like, hell, you know, give me the, uh, give me the fisherman's platter and uh, a couple extra beers. And I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, sitting here, we're talking. So I'll be damned. Toward the end, the waitress comes over. How many checks? And Jerry says, two. And I, I'm thinking, Wow. Wow. I, and, and in my career, I've met tons of college coaches who bought meals and among other things that I could, unbelievable things that happened. Like the GM of the Bulls is not going to buy me a meal. And I, you know, I'm, I'm still a young guy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm 31, 32. I don't have a whole lot of money. Like, okay. But I ate good and I got to meet him. And, and he told me that Tim Floyd was one of their guys and want to get my thoughts. And, and I was, I was stunned because he said, Tim had mentioned me as a possible uh, scout. And I thought, wow, that's, that sounds pretty cool. And I asked him, so yeah, I mentioned your name, this and that. And so, but anyway, Tim wound up going to the bulls. I think he was there four years and things didn't work out. I know, I know Michael called him Pink Floyd and that really, that really hurt his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but it never worked out. And I, I, I do stay in touch with Tim, but, you know, I, I decided to stick with high school ball, and I'm glad I did. So. so we can safely say Jim Leon had an indirect impact on the departure of Phil Jackson from the Chicago Bulls? I love, I love Phil Jackson. He's one of my favorites. No, I, I, hope, I, I was just surprised. I wanted to ask Krause, you know, what happened. But, you know, now that I'm watching, the, you know, the, uh, the last dance, it's like, what the hell? I don't know what he was thinking. Why not let them finish out their run? I I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. But you know, but I, I do like the version the version of you having a, a, a some small impact on Phil Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've converted to Zen Buddhism now too. I'm feeling really good. <laughs> we'll put that in a documentary. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, 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 was, it was a great memory. I, I've I've been fortunate, Mike, to be a when I was at Woodward with Larry Miller and all the great players, I mean, I, I was I was looking today. Um, my career at Woodward, personally, I had twenty three Division one players, and that's wow. I mean, just to, to be blessed with that opportunity, I, I thank God every day. So, guys before, like, you know, before I let you guys go, just coach, just mention just Woodward basketball in, in, in that era, especially you know, nineteen eighty eight first Cincinnati Public Schools team, the winning a Division one. And the only team that won a Division One boys basketball title, and just the, the the stretch of of success that you had and Coach Miller had during the years. Well, I'm gonna tell you, you know, Larry and I were the head coaches, but Dennis Bettis was the heart and soul of Woodward basketball. I mean, he Bond Hill guy graduated from Woodward. The players loved Dennis. I mean, unfortunately, Larry Miller and I had to be the bad guys at times. And Coach Bettis was rough, too. But he had that tough love for all our guys. I know Derek and Santana today. I, I you know, when, when people ask me about the old Woodward, it's, it's Dennis Bettis. And I, I it, it's funny. I've got, I've got Dennis's uh, poster from NKU, the, the cutout that was at his service. It's in my office. And I swear to you, I go in there by myself and I talk to Dennis like, like it's like it, it, I look at him and I think about the great times and, and the love he had for our guys and, and the friendship. And so, I mean, I could talk forever about the legacy of, of Woodward basketball, but, but the heart and soul and the backbone is Dennis Bettis. 
Only fitting that the uh, 1988 state championship team will be inducted in the Buddy LaRosa's High School Hall of Fame this summer. So, guys, I really appreciate it. Jim Leon, Derek Duke, Santana Walden, I love this episode. <laughs> Such great insight. Thank you for sharing your memories and taking, uh, taking some time to revisit Michael Jordan's visit to Woodward in July of 1989. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. What fantastic memories those guys uh, brought to the table recalling Michael Jordan's visit to Woodward High School in July of 1989. Really good stuff there. In keeping with the basketball theme for this episode, my next guest is Springboro boys basketball coach Brett Kostoff, a longtime LaSalle assistant coach. Brett was uh, named the Panthers head coach last week, pending Board of Education approval May 13th. And as everybody knows around the Cincinnati area basketball scene, Brett has been a Assistant coach for LaSalle Lancers for the past seven years, including the past three years as an associate head coach. Brett, thanks for taking a few minutes here in the WCPO High School Insider podcast. Uh, tell us what's, what, this been, what this has been like for you since uh, you were named a head coach last week. Yeah, so, um, you know, Wednesday night I officially got the call, um, you know, kind of told me to sleep on it, make sure it's something I really wanted to do. You know, Thursday morning I woke up, you know, more excited than I went to bed on Wednesday. Um you know, since that point, I obviously reached out to all, you know, my contacts at LaSalle, you know, just to let them know first before they kind of caught wind, um, you know, just thanking them all, you know, for everything that they've done for me to get me in this position, you know, their support, um, you know, their care that, that this worked out for me, you know, they, they generally wanted to see this uh, for me. Um, from that point, uh, since then, I have contacted everybody I possibly can at Springboro just trying to find, get a pulse of the program, what's been going on, what, what hasn't been working, what has been working, um, you know, the ins and outs of how the program has been ran, um, you know, just from a culture standpoint and some immediate fixes that need to take place among building my staff. Um, that, that has also been a, a huge thing right now to try to get that finalized as quickly as possible. But, you know, through this process of, you know, relentless phone calls and stuff, the most exciting part is the passion of the people of Springboro there is a genuine care to make this program great. Um, and that, you know, not that I wasn't excited enough already, but that has just taken it to another level for me. I mean, there is genuine, genuine care there uh, to, to see this thing go the right direction. Well, tell me about, you're hitting the ground running, obviously. I know you're used to doing that at, uh, in your experience at LaSalle, but uh, you mentioned just uh, in, in that press release that uh, Athletic Director Austin Rhodes sent out last week that, uh, you know, Spring Bros, you're going to be tough, smart, a disciplined program, a lot of the same characteristics that people are so familiar with uh, at LaSalle, obviously. So uh, uh, how are you going to use the principles that you learned from Coach Dan Fleming and obviously Pat Godey more more recently? Uh, how are you going to really kind of implement that with the, your program, not the Panthers? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think the big thing is just making basketball really important. Um, you know, from the time I ever stepped on the campus at LaSalle, it was a big deal to play basketball at LaSalle. And, uh, you know, that trickled down through the program. You know, we, we make no mistakes about it. We went 10 months out of the year at LaSalle. You know, you have the 30 days off from the time the season ends, you know, then the mandatory month of July off. But other than that, there, if you just played basketball at LaSalle, there was something for you to do 10 months out of the year. Um, you know, whether that's off-season conditioning, scrimmaging, open gyms, going to other schools, playing in open gyms. So I think that's, uh, you know, the main thing that I, I feel like may have not been going on so much at Springboro, um, you know, not obviously knowing everything, but that's one thing I've kind of caught wind that, you know, for guys that just played basketball, you know, uh, what do we do? You know, kind of what, what's our next approach? So, you know, I think that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, you know, as far as smart and disciplined and stuff, you know, and how we're going to play that, 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 that stuff's kind of ingrained at LaSalle. So, you know, kind of coming up before you go to LaSalle that like, that's how it's going to be, you know, and I think that might be a culture shock for a lot of people at Springboro, you know, at least initially, you know, but I don't think you can do that overnight or in the first week or the first month, you know, you slowly have to build, um, you know, your culture and what you want. But I think, you know, if you get all levels, um, you know, you're kind of rolling in the same direction, so to speak, then, you know, that stuff slowly, um, you know, starts breeding and starts spreading, you know, throughout the program. And it's going to be done a certain way, you know, expectations are going to be set and, you know, we're, we're going to be a no excuse, you know, program. So, you know, going to a summer job instead of making open gym, you know, you're, you're not serious about spring girl basketball, you know, it's just little stuff like that. And, um, you know, not that the circumstances don't come up, but, uh, you know, even hiring my staff, you know, I want people that want to make this program, great and that is really important too because you know I just know that that works and it's what what I've learned and it's uh, I've seen it work 
you know, we, we've been pretty successful. So, um, you know, I, I just feel like those are some of the first first steps anyways. Tell me about uh, being on the phone since last Thursday when the official announcement came. Uh, what, what types of things are you doing to connect with uh, players, families, people around the program? And what's that been like for you? Yeah, so, you know, I've talked to everybody, whether it's former players uh, that have already graduated, that were a part of Springboro basketball, that are currently on the program, that are, um, you know, former coaches that were on the staff, administration, um, parents, uh, community members, you know, just everybody has a different take on what's going to make Springboro basketball great. And, you know, I appreciate that, you know, and I'm not always going to be calling everybody for their opinion. I can promise them that. But, you know, the one thing just coming in from kind of the outside, I wanted to see if there was one thing that was just ringing consistently, you know, like what, what is one issue that, you know, man, across the board, this seems to be a problem, um, you know, and or what, what was great, you know, about the program and build off of that, um, you know, so um, just just really trying to get a pulse of the, of just everything that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't really say, I, I keep saying like what was going wrong. You know, they went to the district game last year, you know, down at down Sinton. So it wasn't like all bad. And I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to knock the former coach, but you know, again, if I'm trying to take this to the level where I think it should go, you know, we, we need to do some things differently, you know, and what are those things? So, um, you know, just, just reaching out to people, maybe, maybe people who have lived in the area that took their son to another school, you know, why did you do that? You know, what, what was Springboro not offering you that, you know, maybe, you know, you, you, you did that for, for some other reason. So just all kinds of different angles and avenues and get different perspectives. So I can, you know, kind of plan my attack in, you know, once I get my staff hired and, you know, contacting players and parents kind of know exactly the direction, you know, obviously you have a vision of what you anticipate, but then kind of when you get down to the nuts and bolts of what's been going on, you know, maybe you kind of adjust and, you know, take a different angle. I want to get into your passion for basketball and, and how you showed up at uh, Bill Katie Court. Uh, take me back to that story of uh, you were a JV coach at Deer Park uh, previously uh, prior to, to LaSalle, but uh, you had a great story about how you just showed up for like six days in a row at Dan Fumming's practices there at LaSalle and uh, just things got going from there. Yeah, so, um, you know, I would say this for any young coach that's like passionate about, you know, getting into this or, you know, I, I don't I, – I don't think I'll ever become a head coach or whatever, you know. So when I was a JV coach at Deer Park my first year, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I mean, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I, w I was pretty clueless. And, um, you know, I just watched the South from a distance, you know, and I saw how they played and how disciplined they were and how tough they were and just everything looked so organized. And I'm like, well, I want that, you know, like as a coach. You know, obviously, I, I want my team to look like that. So, you know, it's funny as I emailed Dan Fleming and I just said, hey, um, you know, do you know if anybody, any program that's looking for a coach, you know, um, I really want to do this. And, you know, what was funny was Dan Fleming initially emailed me back and said, I'm not. Uh, or he said, I do not know anyone. He's like, but um, if you want, you can stop by my practice and just kind of see how we do stuff. So they were in the tournament. I think they were getting ready to play Trotwood that year. Um, and I showed up on Monday and watched some practice and, you know, how organized it was and how demanding he was as a coach and, you know, how organized it was. And, you know, as we were walking out, I, I just thanked him. You know, I said, I really appreciate you letting me in. You know, I was writing down drills and everything. And he said, oh, no problem. You know, because you can come back anytime. You know, and I told him, I said, well, don't don't say that because I'll be back tomorrow. You know, and he, he said, well, you know, you can come back tomorrow. So I showed up for six straight days of their practice until their tournament game, went to their tournament game, kind of seen how their practice executed it throughout the game. Um you know, didn't think really anything of it. Just kept thanking him for allowing me to come because, you know, learning under him was, was a big deal for an up-and-coming coach. Um, and, you know, about a month later, he emailed me and said, hey, you know, we might have a freshman assistant job open. You know, so I think the moral of the story is, and I, uh, as I got hired there, you know, a year later, I asked him, you know, I'm, you've had all your other coaches have been with you for 20 years, 10 years. You know, why me? You know, I have no experience. You know, you could hire anybody you want as an assistant to be at LaSalle. You know, and he just said, you just kept coming, you know, and he goes, it just showed me how important it was to you, you know, and, um, you know, one thing I, that to relate to younger coaches is, you know, I could have taken his initial email of, you know, I, I don't have anything open or I don't know anything and just close that door, you know, but I just think being persistent and just keep coming and coming and just showing people, you know, your care and your passion for it, you know, I, I think it could carry you a long way, you know, in, in this profession. You mentioned uh I saw Coach Pat Godey more, more recently give you the quote-unquote keys of the car, um, as it were. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your role the past few seasons as associate head coach and what you really learned the most from that. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, obviously Dan and Pat are completely different uh, people. You know, Dan didn't need as much, not that Pat needed help, but I'm saying Dan knew what he was doing. He's been a head coach for 23 years, won two state titles. Like, you know, he even told me when he hired me, you know, we're not looking for anybody to come in here and reinvent the wheel. You know, and uh, he kind of did things his way. He had such a demanding voice and such a control of the program that, you know, everybody just kind of knew that. And your your role as an assistant with Dan was, you know, scout your butt off and, you know, build the players back up, you know, and, and kind of tell them where coach is coming from, from a different perspective. You know, and, and then when Pat got the job, it became more of, um, you know, hey, man, I, I really want you to be my right hand man. You know, I want to be kind of 1A, 1B in this. Um, you know, everything I'm doing, I want you to do, you know, which really helped my growth as a coach because, you know, even as an assistant, Dan Fleming, and you're learning everything that you want to learn and, you know, you feel like you know what you're doing, you know, doing that stuff with Pat, you know, I didn't question anymore if I could do it. Um, you know, I knew I could do it, you know, and that was such a huge growing point in my coaching career that, um, you know, I knew that if he wasn't there, I, I could do everything. Um, you know, or if, if he had to miss for something or, you know, if he just told me, hey, you got him today, I, I, I didn't sweat it. It wasn't a big deal. I knew I, I knew I could handle it. And just putting in game plans and, you know, putting their practice plans and sitting in our parent meetings, you know, all that stuff, just everything that goes into running a program. I, I was completely right next to Pat, you know, and I thank him for that because, uh, you know, a lot of head coaches don't give assistant coaches that kind of, you know, not power, but flexibility and, you know, the nuts and bolts of the program. So, you know, that, that was huge in my development. And, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate that. Have you thought about how unique it'll be? First of all, you're wearing blue. And second of all, to be on the yeah. sidelines next year as a head coach, have you thought about what that first game is going to be like, how you're going to approach it, um, voice to the players? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, not not much difference. I mean, obviously, I was a JV coach at LaSalle for a couple of years. And, you know, being in the GCL South, I mean, them JV games can be almost as intense as a lot of other varsity uh, games. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, I've never been on the sideline or whatever. But, you know, even last year, taking that year off of being the JV coach and just strictly being with the varsity, um, you know, I, I miss that. You know, and, and the butterflies and the emotions that you get, um, you know, being a head coach and the ins and outs um, of just – you know, being in, in, in control out there is, um, you know, it's just something I've always, it, it's, it's why I got into coaching. You know, I, I love that feeling, you know, the preparation and seeing and executing and game adjustments and uh, just, just having a real pulse on the program. Um, you know, Saturday, me and my wife and the family went up to Spring Grove and we got the tour of everything and, you know, walking into their gym for the first time, you know, it, it definitely gave me the goosebumps, you know, just, just envisioning, you know, what I'm going to do and, you know, the success that I hope to have there and, uh, you know, just the culture that I play on in green on, on the boards, you know, and the sweat and tears and, uh, you know, passion that we're going to play with, um, you know, it, it just became really real, you know, at, at, at that point that, you know, not that it's my program, it's going to be all of our program, but just knowing that, you know, this was kind of mine, you know, it was, uh, it, it was really cool and, uh, you know, almost emotion. Tell me a little bit about the support you received over the weekend, including from your family, just friends, coaching colleagues. I know you had a lot of, a lot of coaches vouch for you during the interview process as well. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, like I said, I, 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 I'm sure I shortchanged a lot of people with my answer or my response for you if it was via text message, you know, because I just I couldn't respond or call people back quick enough. You know, and I think hopefully that speaks to who I am, you know, as a person that, you know, people, you know, value my relationship with them because, I, you know, I don't think you can do this and do this the right way without great relationships. You know, and uh, that, that people feel enough that to, to call you and to congratulate you and tell you that they're going to stop up for practices. And, you know, whether they're a LaSalle people or not, you know, telling me that, you know, Springboro is now their second favorite team in the state, you know, just because you're going there, you know, and just, uh, you know, really hearing from the families and the parents and the players, um, you know, former players, current players, you know, just just the parents thanking you and what, what you've done for their son and, you know, the, the, the players just thanking you, you know, that, that stuff means the most to you. I, I think if you're in the coaching for other reasons, you know, I, I think you might be doing it for the wrong reasons, but you know, the out, outpouring support has just been uh, unbelievable for me. You know, while there might be sad that I'm going, you know, they're, they're, they're ecstatic for my opportunity. Uh, what's the next I, step? I'm sorry, Brett. Good. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to yeah, say, what's really the next step here? Obviously everybody in a virtual setting here, but uh, what's, what do you do uh, to just to prepare for, um, you know, getting the players conditioned and ready to go? Obviously, everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen this summer with all the, the availability of everything. 
Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, you still have to hit the ground running. Um, you know, I don't think you can just sit on your hands until this COVID-19 thing gets lifted. So I am, um, you know, I've reached out to quite a few players. I'm going to actually send an email today. I got access to all of their emails to them, just letting, you know, introducing myself, giving them my contact information. And then um, from that point forward, you know, once board uh, approval happens, you know, I think the plan will be to set up a Zoom meeting with all you know, returning players or anybody that's interested in playing baseball for Springboro and kind of having a conversation with the players and then start um, sending out workouts, um, you know, whether it's weightlifting and basketball drills, you know, get all stuff that we would be doing, you know, if, if we didn't have any restrictions. So, you know, we are not going to sit on our hands, you know, and, and these kids are going to know that, that, that this is important and we're going to work, you know, and, and I, that's what I pride myself on. You know, I, I know a lot of programs work really hard, but, um, you know, but at LaSalle, you know, that was just one thing that we felt like, you know, we did work harder than everybody else in the state, you know, and it's what I know and it's, it's what I know works. And, you know, I want these guys to know who I am, you know, and I want to show up and they want to see my face every day. And, you know, they, they need to know it's really important to me, you know, because it is, you know, and you can talk to people till you're blue in the face and tell them, oh, man, this is a big deal and this is really important. But, you know, to me, your actions speak louder than the words. And, um, you know, I can tell these people that it's going to be different and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But until I do it, you know, it, it, it's just a bunch of hot air. Brett, really appreciate your time and uh, congratulations to you. Enjoyed really obviously working with you uh, during your uh, past seven years at LaSalle. And uh, I, no doubt you're going to succeed with the Panthers there in the G-Walk. So uh, congratulations again and best of luck to you and your family. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time. A lot of great insight from Springboro Boys basketball coach Brett Kostoff. I know LaSalle coach Pat Godey really thinks Brett will do wonders there with that program in Division One and the Greater Western Ohio Conference. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he translates uh, his experience in the GCL South to the Panthers this upcoming season. Thanks again to Jim Leon, Derek Dukes, and Santana Walden for going down memory lane, recalling Michael Jordan's visit to Woodward High School in July of 1989. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Mike Dyer. Also, be sure to check out our Cincinnati area high school sports Facebook group for all the latest news and notes around the city. You can join the Facebook group by clicking on the link within this podcast episode. Thanks again for listening this week. I'll be sure to talk to you next week.